Well, hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast. To my knowledge, the only daily independent coronavirus podcast on the market. And, well, it's a pretty new market at that, I guess, of uh, coronavirus content. Every day on this podcast, we will seek to provide a little bit of positivity and practical advice as we Londoners, like the rest of the world, try and make sense of this new and pretty surreal reality that we find ourselves in. Uh, Today on the pod, we had lots of good stuff, I think. We had uh, Ollie and Phoebe talking about nutrition and diet whilst cooped up inside our flats and houses. We had uh, coronavirus confessions, which is very quickly becoming my favourite feature. And we had Louis and his hair experimentation. Uh, We had an update from Barcelona. We had lots of myself, David Windsor and James Ware chit-chatting. And yeah, it all came together fairly neatly. So I was joined, as I always am, by Mr. James Ware. James, I'm going to stick my neck out, mate, and say that podcast number three was certainly the most enjoyable to record. So hopefully uh, it was half decent to listen to as well. Yeah, it feels weirdly in line with the whole experience right now, doesn't it, Dave? That this is our third episode and much like the way that people are slowly, slowly getting used to the surreality of the situation we find ourselves in, I think as we're adapting to the situation, we seem to be adapting to the setup of the podcast too. Those two things are running in parallel and we're being luckier and luckier by the day to be joined by even more all-star contributors. I'm particularly excited to go and put into practice some of the top tips we had on how you can make being stuck at home both delicious and nutritious, as well as to make sure that I join the hordes of others right now who are ensuring that their coronavirus cut is number one (laughs) in more than one sense of the word. Yeah, you'll have to find out what that's about in the pod. Uh, Enjoy it. Here's the podcast. James, mate, I just wanted to start by talking about the mood in London right now and even further, the mood amongst the rest of the nation. And it definitely feels as though lockdown might not be imminent, but it's definitely probable and it's going to happen soon. Like It might be days and it might be weeks, but having boots on the ground, that's definitely the feeling that I, I got being around London today. And uh, mate, we spoke yesterday about every nation is essentially reading the same book, but we're all on a different chapter. And someone's told us that the next chapter is going to be really, really scary. So it puts us in quite a weird passage, doesn't it? Where we we think we know what's coming next and everyone's just doing whatever they can really to prepare themselves for for what is probably going to happen. So that's where we're at in London. That's where we're at, I think, in the UK. Uh, Coronavirus has just brought everyone into this, this absolute sense of present tense and we're kind of making calls, James, that will keep us sane and healthy, I think, ahead of the next step. And that's uh, that's pretty scary, but it's pretty fascinating as well. Yeah, it feels like we're all living this plot at the moment where we've kind of half seen a spoiler alert, haven't we? Like we've kind of <laughs> yeah. accidentally seen over someone's shoulder on social media something we know is a spoiler, but we didn't quite read it all. And we're unsure exactly how it's going to play out, but we do know what's coming. That's the feeling for me. Like we've seen all the other countries and what they've done further down the line than we are in our response. So we know roughly what we're in for. And yet at the same time, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like here. So I think there's this constant clash between feeling somewhat prepared and feeling more and more mentally prepared as the situation gets more serious and time wears on. And also it being completely impossible to prepare because we don't know exactly what that's going to look like here. For me, this morning, making a return to the shopping front line which was <laughs> this is this is a podcast in itself James <laughs> your morning trips to Sainsbury yeah I feel like I've suddenly become like some retail blogger in the past you know, <laughs> I honestly never thought there was any any possible eventuality in my life where not one but two days in a row I would be saying my alarm to get up 
to be at a supermarket at opening time. Like, yeah. just, that seemed absolutely I, impossible. And yet, like so many things that all of us thought were unfathomable until before this week, it's all seeming strangely normal right now. Sure, like, you, I mean, when you do it tomorrow, you'll expect that cue, right? So, yeah, it, it's weird what this new kind of normal paradigm is. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why it resonates so much, mate, but it's that cue outside the supermarket before it opens with just these sombre faces there and everyone a bit on edge. And it, it, it's just, there's something about it that is really, really unsettling. And, uh, yeah, but listen, that's that's where we are, and uh, we've just got to deal with it and prepare and, and try and be as kind of, as possible, of course. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to do our best individually, haven't we, to avoid that supermarket rage and keep our supermarkets super rather than letting them descend <laughs> into sinister markets, which is kind of a feeling that, like, I think that's one thing that, it's easy to forget right now as we become used to these things. It's like waking up first thing in the morning and suddenly being in a space where you're surrounded by people who very much feel like they're fending for themselves. That That's kind mm. of the atmosphere. I think really affects us all, right? And I think we just need to try to remind ourselves of that. But like what what's going on around us, even in a simple an interaction is going shopping right now is kind of affecting us on quite a deep level and we just yeah need, need to give ourselves a bit of understanding about that i i think because to think that we can adapt to this and go through it completely unaffected is it is impossible for anyone right we, we all need to give ourselves a bit a bit of space and time i think with that and with everything else that's going on yeah, and it's it's really difficult not to get caught up in it as well, isn't it? It's like you know, if you can keep your head well all all around them, all around you are losing theirs. And uh, you know, even in the supermarket this morning, mate, I really tried to do everything at half pace almost, mm. and kind of take my time and and just you know uh, walk quite slowly and you know look at a couple of the products. And but and that was fully my intention when I walked in. I was like, if I'm calm, then hopefully you know a lot of other people, you know, a lot of people do that and everyone falls into line. But sure. I mean, it's so easy just to get whipped up in it all and uh, and just be like, oh my god, if everyone else is panicking, then should I be panicking? And that guy just got you know 19 yogurts. Maybe I should do the same. So it's, uh, yeah, mm. it's, uh, mm. it's that kind of thing. I know that you're, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, where, that's where we are. Yeah, I, I also have to say, and I've spoken to many people who have echoed this sentiment, that in the supermarkets, for all of the kind of shopping horrors that seem to be coming through there, I, I've been really quite inspired by how much people who are working there have just stepped up to the plate. Amazing. Yeah, there, agree. There is agree. nothing that can prepare you at all if you're in any line of work for your work suddenly escalating as much as theirs has. But going in this morning and seeing the manager of this supermarket standing there telling people firmly to calm down that they didn't want any yeah. injuries, seeing... Him then, several minutes later, making the decision that they were going to close the shop until they let some people out. You know, it's an, and not just for managers, people working on the tills, people people involved in everything. It, it's really like saying a tone, I think, of how much people can step up to the plate. And, and then more than in other places... I think I'm really seeing a bit of the spirit that it's going to take for us all to get through this, you know. And I, I know it's not just people in supermarkets who are doing that, but in a small way, no, that's inspired me amongst the chaos that those supermarkets are largely evolving. Because no, you're, you're absolutely no. Sorry, mate. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and these people that are working supermarkets, they're not they're not being paid anymore, are they? And they, how could you possibly have any training to to deal with this kind of eventuality? And I see, I see, absolutely as you say, a kind of a matter of fact approach. People stepping up. There was a, a bloke in front of me, like a really big kind of six foot five bloke in front of me, who was trying to buy four of something. And in my supermarket, you can't buy more than three of one product, right? Sure. And is that nationwide? I'm not sure if that's a, if that's set in, but and like this this 
older lady who was che- who was seeing all this stuff go through, she just told him off. And that takes courage, you know. That takes a lot of courage. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, sorry to cut you off mid-flow there, James. But yeah, I just I couldn't agree more with that. People stepping up is very, very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And coronavirus is driving people to do all manner of weird things, isn't it, Dave? Like, we're, we're seeing some unusual behaviour from people across the board, not just isolated to supermarkets. And some of it weirder and wackier than others. And that's what's inspired one of our daily features here on London Coronavirus Podcast, which is Coronavirus Confessions. And this is where we give anybody the opportunity to come clear to our self-isolating saints. (laughs) And today, stepping into the booth in our bunker is my friend Louis, who's been driven into quite a hairy experience by coronavirus already. Here's what happened to him. Hello, I'm Louis de Soze, otherwise known as Louis III. I'm a singer-songwriter from um, Islington. And yeah, I've been socially isolating for the past week. and It's getting very boring. Um, and basically, I've just been trying to write top lines for songs from home and do stuff like that. And basically, I have bad coping mechanisms. So if something goes wrong or if I'm bored, if there's some kind of stressor in my life, um, I often find that I'll do some kind of drastic haircut or dye my hair. So basically yesterday I just, I just decided to dye my hair pink. And I went, I was walked to the pharmacy and I think the woman in the pharmacy thought I was a bit weird because everyone else was trying to buy paracetamol and I plopped up with um, blonde hair dye and, and pink hair dye. And then, yeah, I dyed my hair blonde and it didn't work. I went ginger, so then I went back and got more hair dye. She looked at me even stranger. And then, yeah, now I've got my um, quarantine do. So... Who knows what will happen in a week's time. Maybe I'll find another bit of my body to die. All right, everyone stay safe and find things that make you happy. Bye. So, yeah, there we have it. A new look for not London Fashion Week 19, but COVID-19 <laughs> right there. And I've actually seen this cut. It is unbelievably bold. Like, calling it pink doesn't really do it justice. I'd need one of those, like... Pantone colour charts to give people a a specific enough image but it's going to light up the night streets even if they start cutting the power to them that hair look and I I particularly (laughs) couldn't imagine that moment queuing up with your hair dye when you've got everyone else sort of there doing their stockpiling of various drugs and you go back in for pink hair dye number two I, I thought that was next level stockpiling by anyone's standards. Yeah, well, <laughs> well you, you messaged me, where didn't you? And you said it's a bold look for a bold time. And I think that sums it up perfectly. And uh, mate, you, we've got our Instagram up and running now. So I'm sure you can, uh, with Lou's permission, of course, you can perhaps put a picture of that out. But it, it, the haircut thing, because we were talking about this off pod earlier, is it, really interesting though, because I today I was like, oh, I really need a haircut. I haven't had a haircut in a few months. And then... All these decisions that normally aren't really decisions are now made into such bigger things by coronavirus because I was thinking, am I allowed to go to the barbers? Like, is that a thing anymore? Uh, you know, is it acceptable? Is it illegal? And if I go, is it just, and am I going to be socially shamed by walking in the barbers? Am I getting too close to people? So, I, you know, all these kind of questions just popped up in my head. And then I was like, do I cut my own hair? Is that a thing? And, uh, you know, and if I do go in, should I be getting like a proper coronavirus haircut that will last three, six months, a year? I don't know. So, um, yeah, these are these are bizarre times. I couldn't have put it bad myself. I mean, the COVID cuts seem to really be catching on, actually. It seems to be one of those things. Everyone's made a sort of mental checklist, haven't they, of what do I need to do before I no longer have the opportunity to. And just like you say, I think a part of that process has been the killing already of the casual. Casual has been killed. You can't make casual (laughs) decisions anymore. Even going for a coffee 
is something which is a more serious commitment than most things I take the time to put in my iCal in a normal week. Like every little thing that we can do while we still can, who knows, nobody seems to, how long that's going to last, has become really major, hasn't it? But today I felt the major mover in those stakes was the haircut. I was hearing lots of people going for this. One of my friends... He's been given the full work from home treatment, normally works in the kind of job where a certain kind of haircut would be expected. He's decided to go for the full number one. He's just gone all off. I think it's to more easily apply hand sanitizer to his head, just straight on. But he's gone, he's gone properly streamlined, or maybe it's over when we are allowed out and about. He knows that he has a go faster haircut. Maybe that's a but shopping mate- tactic. Do you think that you can judge a man or a woman's uh, kind of pessimism or positivity as to how long this is going to last by how long their hair is at the moment? <laughs> like if, you're, if we're seeing like men with really, really short hair, are we thinking, oh, maybe he knows something, you know? That's how the rumours start. If everyone just suddenly starts getting a grade one wear, then maybe panic's just going to spread. <laughs> This sounds like the level of palm reading that we're resorting to. <laughs> palm reading is too unhygienic right now, but head reading is acceptable, even if yeah, just haircut time. viewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. I don't know. Maybe it speaks more about people's preparation. I think it might more be like when I'm looking around and I see someone who's got a really slick new haircut. I'm like, that is not somebody who I want to be racing to the long life milk aisle i think maybe it's more <laughs> reflective most times but three kicked on my girlfriend also suddenly was like well i've been thinking about getting a haircut suddenly the hairdressers might close i'll get one day she called this morning and got the last appointment so <laughs> along with the stockpiling there's this kind of shedding going on as well it's a weird yeah. combination of like getting as much as you can of certain things and getting rid of as much as you can of other things. That seems to be what's going on at the moment. And actually, it's not just a casual haircut situation either. As we said, nothing seems to be casual right now. It's not just anecdotal because even the strictest of organisations have relaxed their rules about haircuts in light of the current situation. The US Navy which normally has such rigorous regulations that they're measured in inches. Their guidelines say that men's hair can be no longer than four inches and that it cannot touch the ears. I don't know like where where they're drawing the line there. Either or would do, I think. (laughs) Um, Maybe if you have really big ears, you don't get a break there. You just have to have really short hair. But those are the existing regulations and they've relaxed that due to coronavirus. They don't want people having to go for haircuts and having to be closer to people than necessary. So they've relaxed those rules. So we're going to see some US Navy sailors sporting mullets in no time. In fact, if this carries (laughs) on for the number of months it looks like it might right now, then we're going to have a real-life recreation of the In the Navy video by the summer. (laughs) That would be the US Navy doing their tactical exercises. I look forward to it. But getting your haircut isn't the only way that people are getting ready right now for this impending lockdown that feels like it's going to be the opposite of a pub lock-in. And when it comes to shopping, whether you're going out for the dawn raid or not, it's tough to know what you want to buy, not only to make sure you have enough food to last a little bit longer than normal, but to make sure that you're actually getting some goodness into your daily cooking. And we're lucky enough today for our daily top tip from an expert where we bring you some invaluable practical advice to try and guide you through the current craziness. We're lucky enough today to be joined by Ollie and Phoebe from plant shake company Foga. And they're telling us how you can take your coronavirus kitchen from nothing to nourishing. Hey, I'm Ollie. 
And I'm Phoebe. And we are the founders of FOGA. We have a few top tips for staying nourished whilst you're in self-isolation. Firstly, frozen vegetables and fruits are your powerhouses right now. They maintain all of the nutrition of Harvest Fresh produce. Uh, so things like frozen peas and spinach are an amazing way to pack in valuable micronutrients uh, that your body needs when you don't know when you're next going to be able to go to the shops. Smoothies. Um, fresh smoothies are a really great way of boosting your micronutrients and getting the kind of goodness you need to support your immune system, especially when you're recovering from something like coronavirus. Um, a plant shake is a great option for that. They're freeze-dried smoothies with the same ingredients, flavour and nutrition of something you made fresh in your blender, um, but they last for a really long time. You just add to water or milk, shake it up, and you basically get a fresh smoothie ready to go. Super nutrient-dense foods that last. So things like turmeric uh, is amazingly powerful. Um, flax seeds are also on the, on the power list uh, of Dr. Michael Greger, who wrote a book called How Not to Die. He specifically recommends a quarter of a teaspoon of turmeric, a tablespoon of ground flax seeds, berries every day, and greens every day. And I think he knows what he's talking about. Flavour boosters that last, so stocking up on things like pasta is all well and good, but it's going to get boring very quickly. So we're stocking up on things like dried mushrooms, sun-dried tomatoes, anchovies, if you're not totally plant-based, um, delicious herbs, things that basically make your fruit taste more delicious. So there you have it. Those are our best tips for staying packed with nutrients, supporting your immune system and staying healthy whilst in isolation. Yeah, that was Ollie and Phoebe, and I've got to say, that was, that was really, really genuinely useful. I've never met Ollie and Phoebe, you know them, Jase, but they sound like bloody friendly people as well. Yeah, I felt like, regardless <laughs> of whether you have one of their plant shake sachets or not, it really felt like they were shaking something up just discussing that. Like, yeah, I feel kind of yeah. more healthy having just listened to that, and I haven't even had a chance to put their tips into action yet. But, yeah... A useful thing to consider for all of us right now, isn't it, Dave? How we can try and keep our lives healthy, even though we don't necessarily have the easiest access to the things we normally lean on to provide us with that food-wise, exercise-wise, mental health-wise. All of these things are things that we're all having to think about and adjust right now, aren't we, in our routines? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think um, in London as well, or any most big cities, I'd say, but London definitely has this culture of if you look through most fridges in most London, uh, in most uh, Londoners' flats, you wouldn't see much there wear, right? Like, I don't think I'm doing everyone a, dis a disservice. You know, everyone just eats on the go. Uh, they pick up food here, they eat out there. There's a takeaway there, uh, which is perhaps a culture that will uh, change when all this is done and dusted. But I know my fridge in London is almost exclusively bare. So uh, this is a real shift now to kind of fill up the fridge and, and not just the fridge but you know they mentioned stuff that I would just never normally buy right like Ollie and Phoebe were talking about like flax seeds and stuff like that which I would never I would never think about buying in a supermarket but I mean diet the, the fact is people are going to do far less exercise like we had uh, Freddie on yesterday talking about what you can do to work out at home but I think in all reality if people are cooped up inside we are going to do less exercise so diet almost becomes doubly important to just try to keep ourselves as healthy as possible mentally and physically. Yeah, absolutely. I keep hearing things about people going into supermarkets and finding themselves coming home with bags loaded full of quinoa, which they've never eaten before. They don't really know yeah. what it is, this side of a hashtag <laughs> on an Instagram food blog. And they have no idea how to kick it. it it's sort of developing some new weird food habits, isn't it? But I feel we're all trying anyway to go that way rather than the other way. Another situation a friend of mine had this week was he went out with a relatively normal shopping list, was like, no, I'm just going to get a few basics. I'm going to have the bases covered and just came back with a box of chocolate digestives. So <laughs> rather go the no, quinoa route maybe than the digestives if we're going to be in this for the long haul. But I've definitely bought stuff that I've never purchased before. Like, I don't know what it was today. And again, I walked in the supermarket with the right mentality. Bit of veg, bit of fruit, you know, enough, enough to last me a day. And then these canned sardines were, were just calling me. And I don't know why, but they were just they were just there glistening on the shelf. And I thought, I, I probably need some of them. Like, do I? So it's definitely, uh, we definitely could do with a bit of guidance, I feel, in our, in our shopping and diet habits, certainly. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, my, my, my flat's pretty small. So at the moment, I've got my setup is I've got cans of baked beans propping up the microphone <laughs> that I'm talking into. So there's, there's, there's a lot going on. Multi-purpose there. It's weird as well. I like not only is it getting people into weird foods that they normally would never even consider. Like I also had that with the very mysterious kind of pulses that I still couldn't possibly <laughs> clarify for you. I think I'd need like a nutritionist to come and visit me. Actually, maybe a biologist to come and visit me to tell you what they were. But like your sardines, they were kind of calling me. Not only is it getting people into weird foods they haven't had before though, but it just makes you appreciate even the most common staples you have. I'm like you, and like you were saying, a lot of Londoners are, that often we eat hand to mouth, don't we? And we, we only have the bare basement minimum in our fridge. <laughs> I, I sort of, whenever people come around to my flat, if they look in my fridge, they make fun of the fact that it's exclusively made up of eggs, maybe some cheese and some kind of alcohol. Like that's normally sure. the rough ratio of content in there. But as much as... And that's well-stocked. <laughs> that's comparatively well-stocked compared to mine, mate. Yeah, that's just post-delivery. But <laughs> as much as, like, eggs, for example, are a staple of mine, given that they've been bare on the shelves for the past few days, when I managed to get my mitts on some yesterday, I then made eggs for lunch. And honestly, if I'd birthed and raised the hen that had made those eggs, <laughs> I could not have felt more ecstatic as I consumed them. Like, short of actually having a hen walking around my flat, I I really couldn't have felt any more connected to those eggs. But yeah, great to get those tips from Ollie and Phoebe for most of us who aren't lucky enough to be being self-isolated in an allotment right now because fruit and veg is quite hard to come by. But like you were saying, Dave... I know that you live in what, even by London standards, isn't the most spacious flat. So your kitchen is not only having to serve the purpose of being a kitchen, it's also a recording booth, an office. I'm not sure I want to know all of the other purposes that it's serving as well. But that really got you thinking with a piece of news that came out today, didn't it? Yeah, it leads us nicely into um, into what we saw today and to, into our feature, which is uh, living the quarantine dream, which is something that has clearly become a very, very important part of people's lives now. Now we're all cooped up inside and people are just trying to make the best out of a bad situation, really, in close proximity to the to the four walls with no, no chance of escape. And we were talking, James, earlier about a story in the Philippines, which was really, uh, really tickled us because the president there told all Filipinos to take a vacation at home. I'm sure it was very well-meaning saying, uh, asking people to take a vacation at home. And he added, walk around your house. Maybe you haven't visited some parts of it yet. Well, uh, I've definitely visited every single inch of my 22 uh, square meters meter apartment so yeah but uh, I know it was uh, it was an interesting thing to say but Filipinos responded in a pretty comical way James yeah they really seem to be giving us some inspiration for living our own quarantine dream don't they because they've been taking videos of themselves backpacking around their apartments in light of this advice or lying on top of wardrobes sitting inside their cupboards so discovering new purposes for different parts of their home living setup, however intimately acquainted they are with them. Maybe you can kind of turn your exploration of your own space, Dave, into a sort of indoor stay-at-home spelunking experience. Strap a head well, torch the- on. There was a there was a moment today where I genuinely considered making a den. <laughs> you know, like uh, when you're a kid, and that was just amazing. There was a point where I was. I was prepping. I was prepping the den in my head, figuring out how it could work and stuff. So we're not too. Far, and we're only on about day three of these social restrictions. So uh, when we're three weeks in, where it, things could get interesting. Yeah, you're going to be using some baked bean bricks as you get building the cornerstones to this den. I'm going to be. Maybe we're going to have to start publishing this Skype feed as it becomes <laughs> more and more elaborate. Going to be an architectural work in progress, but. 
people who are trying to look for weird and wacky ways of livening up their space are doing that right here in the UK. Filipinos in our Living the Quarren Dream today were looking around their house for things they hadn't seen before. In the UK, we're going for a bit more of a kind of home decorating approach because desperate to raise morale in these tricky times, people are very much working with what they have. Well, kind of because you can't get things you don't have right now. So I think this is not optional as much as it's kind of an approach. And they've been fishing around their houses thinking, well, how can we raise spirits a bit right now? And one response that seems to be trending on Twitter at the moment is by decorating your house with Christmas lights. Yep, it may (laughs) not be a particularly festive time of year. Easter may be increasingly looking like it's cancelled, so we're losing festivals, not gaining them. But people trying to spread some goodwill have decided that this is maybe a good solution. So all around the UK, people are starting to put up their Christmas lights in what has started trending as their hashtag lights for life trend and are putting those out to try and raise spirits. I mean, maybe this is something we keep thinking about, isn't it? What changes in what people are doing now are going to stick longer term? Maybe this could be one of the weirder ones. Maybe longer term, spring cleaning, that's out of the window. Spring decorating in. I hope, mate, I'm a sucker for Christmas. An absolute sucker for Christmas. I love it. So, uh, fingers crossed, James, that that's got some longevity. Yeah, I can kind of see, like, fairy lights catching on. And right now, I can see how they're a bit of a mood raiser. I'm not quite sure about those houses where people whack out a giant Father Christmas swinging a bell, reindeer, inflatable snowman, maybe a snow machine. I think that could maybe confuse people, like disorientate them even more than we already are in this most disorientating of times. But well, maybe it will maybe it will confuse coronavirus where. <laughs> And it will think it's December and we'll be out into the light at the other side of this, maybe. So so who knows? (laughs) Yeah, Boris Johnson, in today's update, sort of floating this 12-week window. I like it. Let's let's just throw the 12th month at coronavirus and hope that it loses (laughs) track of time. We're all losing track of time. Maybe we can play it at its own game. I like your thinking. Okay, so the next... Uh, section of the podcast is our global update and what we do is we get a little whatsapp voice note from someone around the globe whilst this podcast of course will be talking about london and the uk it's always great to check in on other countries and see exactly how everyone is experiencing things from uh, from different corners of the globe and it's interesting to today we've got my friend annalisa james who lives in barcelona and met her about over 10 years ago now mm. and uh, we were talking just before she sent the WhatsApp voice note to me about Barcelona and what's going on. And what I realised is that we, we had a few disagreements, actually. And I realised that there's no real correct thing to do. And I think it's quite dangerous, you know, preaching at other countries. Obviously, we need to look at other countries and learn about how they've reacted to this. But every country has its different healthcare system, its own set of values, its own average age of the population, numerous other factors, right? For sure. So it's, you know, so I think we need to be a little bit Myself absolutely included, because I was saying to Anna, like, oh, why are you doing that or that or that? And, you know, every country is different and and it's really dangerous, I think, to to say there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to this. And, well, Annalisa lives right in the heart of Barcelona, I'm sure. Lots of you have been to Barcelona, so she tells you exactly where she lives. It's really, um, it's a really beautiful part of town. And uh, Anna gives us a real insight into what's happening right now in Barcelona. Hi, everyone. I'm Annalisa, an Italian girl living in Barcelona. Here in Spain, we, are, we have to stay home since last Saturday. And if police finds you in the street without a valid reason to be there, you can be fined up to 60,000 euros. And you can only go out if you have to buy something at the supermarket, pharmacy, if you have to walk your dog, if you have to assist someone or if you have to go to the hospital. And right now Barcelona 
doesn't sound like a city at all. Actually, I live in the city center, just next to Arco de Triunfo, and the tweeting of the birds is louder than the traffic. This never happened. People here are also using the balconies like the Italians are doing. They are singing, they are playing instruments, they are playing movies and videos uh, in the building just in front of their homes. And at every, every night at 8 p.m. all the people go, go out to the balcony and clap for the national health care. And last night there was a cacerolada against the, the king. Cacerolada is a um, popular protest and consists of making noise by banging uh, pots and pans. Yesterday they were claiming the king to donate to the public health care. The millions of euro that Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia gave to the real family. It is a really tough period for us because it's not easy to stay home, you can imagine it. But I really, really hope this quarantine ends by the end of April. Hasta pronto! So that was Annalisa talking about Barcelona. It was nice, James, wasn't it? Hearing the uh, the fact that the birds tweeting for the first time since she's been there are suddenly a little bit louder than the cars whizzing past. Yeah, and it's strange, isn't it? Hearing and seeing these different sides of cities that are coming out and seem to be one of the more obvious silver linings of us giving our cities a break from constantly being out there putting things into them. I don't know if you saw that video that was doing the rounds the other day of Venice, but because there haven't been any boats and traffic in the canals, suddenly the Venetians, who are still there in what's a kind of ghost city without all the tourists, it's kind of like if touristic Disneyland was closed, I'm hearing at the moment, but suddenly they're seeing fish in the water again and the water are kind of the waters have turned these turquoise blues it looks more like some kind of island in the south pacific than a heavily visited yeah. place in the european mainland you know no yeah and i think this you know we, we spoke about when we're out the other side of this james there'll be clearly a lot to reflect back on and hopefully we will have taken some things that will be really positive going into the future, really, for humanity. I don't think that's too deep for me to say or too heavy. And one of them is maybe we've given our planet a little bit of a break in some ways. You know, listen, it's, it was unplanned. It's not like we, we, we set out to do this, but this has happened. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe the planet's just going to get a little six or 12 month breather from, uh, from us roaming around it. Yeah. That seems like it could really be something that we can take out of a really bad situation that becomes good already, doesn't it? And I think mm. everyone is trying to find even small things like that to cling on to right now. So seeing them in other places is something that does feel a little bit uplifting, even when we're turning on the news and just kind of being bombarded with worse and worse developments most of the time. And I thought one thing, to come back to what we were saying earlier on in today's episode, I thought one thing, hearing from Spain, who were further down the line with trying to confront this and deal with it, and the severity of what they're up against than we are in London and in the UK right now, was hearing about this daily round of applause for the emergency workers. And I thought yeah, fantastic. that was not only an amazing show of solidarity, but the way that that's happening in the same time every single day, at the same time on a daily basis, seemed like something that I think we could definitely try to incorporate here if we are in a similar situation in whatever amount of days or weeks that could be. Because it feels like just having something in the day which is common and shared 
and gives you that marker would be something that's super positive for everyone. Because right now, you can't really get a sense of what day it is, can you? Or what time it is. Everything's all melting more and more into one. And I think we're all becoming more and more aware of that as we approach the first weekend since it's got really serious here in London. And normally today would be Thursday and you'd be kind of mobilising yourself for the weekend. And instead, I kind of can't figure out whether today's Monday or Sunday. Or So just having yeah, something um... every day would make a big difference, wouldn't it? To kind of give us that communal routine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Freddie was talking yesterday, James, about, uh, yeah, about the importance of routine, about the importance of not letting it slip just because you can, you know, just because everyone's working from home and not going out in the evening. So if you want, there's there's no all the time kind of melts into one. So definitely to have that positive reference point at a certain time every day, I think is really nice. And listen, it's they're the hero. The people on the front line, the healthcare system in this country and in every country are, um, yeah, you, you just tip your hat, don't you? Really, really impressive. Absolutely. And I think we're feeling this in small ways. Like there are lots of people who are doing things that are really inspiring, even in London and in the UK already in response to this, right? And some people are doing that on a bigger scale. And we're about to cover some of them in our daily roundup to end the show of some of the examples of coronavirus kindness that we're seeing. But I think one thing I keep hearing about, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, Dave, one thing I keep hearing about is solidarity and togetherness and that kind of spirit here in the UK. And I see it in minor ways with the way people are contributing to community groups and trying to do things like that who already want to make a positive difference with this, you know. But, and I I see it in the interactions people are having on an individual basis with each other. But I'm not sure I see a kind of broader reflection of that. It's kind of a buzzword in how we should be responding to this. I'm not sure I, I really see this solidarity on a grander scale. Now, look, Maybe that's qualified by it not having quite come to that yet and that people are still reading themselves for this and maybe it will just emerge. But I think it's something that I feel I'd like to see and I'd like to contribute to in some way because I think that is how we've traditionally faced up to things of, of any kind of scale resembling this in this part of the world. And for that just to be reduced to a, a kind of buzz phrase rather than some actual like action of of and feeling of solidarity doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's very um that's very fair. What one when you say solidarity, one thing that I saw in the Argentine media today, did I can't remember whether I sent you a WhatsApp with this actually, James, but um, yeah. every every front page of every newspaper had the same headline in all the Argentine newspapers, which is, you know, like uh, stay at home and and, uh, we'll get through this kind of thing. And I just thought, you know, God, it would be nice if the British media could get on that page, wouldn't it? And everyone just produces the same headline, which is like, we'll get through this, be kind. You know, imagine if every British newspaper tomorrow had a headline that just had two words and it just said, be kind. Like that is so Mm. powerful. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to see bigger and broader displays of solidarity as we as we venture into the next step on this. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm sort of alluding to, like saying that that's a bit more unifying, right? Because I I know lots of people are doing that in their own small ways with their interactions, with their friends, with people in their community, you know, but I, I think it's important that we we feel connected on a bigger scale right now and something as simple as a round of applause every day at the same time seems to be effective to me in doing that I'd be really interested actually to hear any listeners views on what they think would be a good form for something like that to take you know yeah absolutely um yeah it's it's really interesting and and it leads us Nicely into our final segment, James, which you're going to take off with coronavirus kindness. Yeah. So 
to end some of the more serious things we speak about on the podcast each day on a slightly more positive note we finish up every day with coronavirus kindness where we look at some of the really amazing things that individuals and organizations are doing in response to the current situation because it is bringing out some real good in people isn't it already I I think we're seeing that on small and bigger scales as well day by day at the moment and we're focusing particularly to start with on the world of sport which in terms of industries has been one of the most immediately hard hit right because all public sporting events are cancelled already that date's just getting dragged out more and more it's happened all around the world even in countries that haven't been so severely affected by coronavirus and look there's no way you can relatively judge these things that people have been affected massively but it's definitely taken a huge hit and yet it's an industry that we're seeing trying to use its resources to respond in a way which can make a difference and I know that this is particularly relevant to you Dave because you normally work in this industry you're personally being affected by it and you've come across some of these stories today and I miss it from that world and I miss it as well James I know sports only been cancelled for about a week uh, but yeah it feels like it feels like three months Uh, yeah really miss really miss football obviously I've got a vested interest in it because it's my livelihood as well but sport is cancelled that's where we are and a lot of sports teams and institutions have to have tried to do their bit and you know where so often footballers is such an easy what it's a cheap shot and it's so easy to be like how much does Cristiano Ronaldo earn a year like it's such an easy cheap shot to be like oh, footballers they're not worth it but there is good that comes out of sport and um there's a lot of good and yeah for example just this week Ferrari and I know they've got a lot of money but they still gave 10 million and 150 ventilators in Italy that isn't that's not small that's going to save lives doing that mm-hmm. uh, we've got Gary Neville who uh, is basically his hotel. He's now offered up to NHS staff. He's guaranteed the the income of all those that worked for his hotel. Uh, Chelsea Football Club, something close to your heart, James, also opened up, uh, opened things up to, to, it was to NHS staff. Have I got that right? I can't remember. Yeah, they've opened up the hotel at Stamford Bridge as well. So that NHS staff can stay there for free. It's quite close to the Chelsea Westminster Hospital. So they're going to have free accommodation there and they're also going to keep employing their staff in the hotel as well so yeah even though look like you said there's a lot of money normally in these industries and it it seems easy for for them to do something to see them responding and doing their bit maybe it's not more than that but just doing their bit yeah is is adding to the feeling that whatever however people are being affected right now they're trying to do something, aren't they? We're seeing that across industries. Yesterday, it was the alcohol industry. Today, it's the sport industry. And it's amazing to see people, whatever resources they do have, trying to step up to the plate to do their little bit. And Ferrari, I think, aren't the only F1 team who, given that the F1 season has been placed on hold and they've had lots of positive cases in teams there, they're apparently not the only F1 team who are trying to look at how they can use their production resources and their engineers and their mechanics to try to solve the problem of how few ventilators there are. So, yeah, it, I think it's little things like that, even from very big organisations that are inspiring right now. And also big things from very small organisations. It works both ways, doesn't it? Slightly closer to home. Here in Hackney, actually, a community cookery school called Made in Hackney have stepped up. Since they can't do cooking classes right now, they've decided instead to turn their kitchens into a free food delivery service for vulnerable community members in the London Borough. And they're trying to raise £30,000 on Crowdfunder. You can find this campaign on there 
to try to make this happen so that they can deliver free food to those who are most vulnerable. I was also seeing another really great story today about a cafe where you normally have the option to pay for a suspended coffee, right? So you can go pay, pay it forward, basically, for someone who wouldn't get a coffee to be able to have one. But they've decided that instead of that, in light of the current situation, they're going to open it up for people to provide suspended care packages through the cafe. So they can pay and then that will go, them paying extra for their coffee will fund a care package for someone who's vulnerable or particularly in need right now. So that's it, isn't it? For me, it's about seeing people whatever the resources they have, whether that's the resources of having a massive production factory or a hotel at your football stadium or being a small bakery in London, the bakery doing this is called Wild Goose Bakery in Leytonston or a community cookery school. It doesn't matter how big or small you are or or what you normally do is. It's just about like how you can use that to do a, a little something to try to contribute to the effort, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I don't think anything too small goes unnoticed. So, yeah, there's some good stuff definitely to come out of all this. And hopefully some of those good vibes will, will last for a few months yet as well. Yeah, that's what you'd hope would be a silver lining that can emerge out of what feels like a sorrier situation by the day right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it it feels like that. But uh, listen, we're going to be here, the London Coronavirus podcast, every day, uh, producing, producing a little bit of what you heard today. So join us tomorrow for more of the same. 